Welcome to the five. The same five questions, a completely different experience every time. I met today's guest online. We share a love of video games, and he's actually taught me a lot about uh, being disabled and being a video gamer and how the technology is getting there for more disabled people to enjoy video games. And he is actually on one of the front runners of getting to test these peripherals that are allowing this and getting the word out that gamers can be disabled and they are part of the gaming community. So you need to build games that's geared for them. So how about you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. My name is Mike Matlock, and I also go by The Cripple Critic on YouTube. I'm a gaming journalist, an accessibility consultant, and a web designer. I run the website for my brother-in-law's sanitation business. I also write articles for a website called Dagger System, and now Can I Play That? And we uh, write articles for disabled gamers and with accessibility in mind. I have been a lifelong gamer since I was like four years old and games have had a huge impact on my life and they've helped me uh, deal with my disability. As I got older, I started to play more games uh, frequently and I started noticing a trend with games becoming less accessible in my late teens, early 20s. And I started to do research to see if there was even, you know, more gamers like me uh, because I wanted to know whether it was even worth seeing if someone could fix a game or make it more accessible. And in my research, I found that there are over 30 million disabled uh, gamers in just America. Um, so there is an audience that's just untapped, you know? And that led me to make my own YouTube channel uh, where I wanted to talk about these issues, but also maybe help other disabled gamers and help them understand whether a game would be accessible or they could play it. And uh, then that led me to, uh, my name got out there a little more and I, that led me to write. And for a while it was volunteer work for about four years. Uh, and then I started to kind of get into public speaking and I, would go to uh, conventions and colleges to talk about gaming and, and accessibility, but also disability in general. Um, and eventually I was even, even able to uh, work with developers directly and, and make games more accessible in that way, which has been a dream come true. That's amazing. And I've been lucky enough to actually hear one of your speeches and it was really much an eye opener. Uh, like me and you've talked about, my mother was disabled. And while, you know, a long time ago, basically all she could do is sit and watch TV and everything like that. And I know she always wanted to do more. And I wish she could have, like, enjoyed video games like people can today and everything like that. But it just wasn't possible back then. And it's really cool to see that it's a possibility now. So... I have five questions for you. You can take as much time as you want. You ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, man. I've had a lot of weird situations. 
Um, being, I'll just say severely disabled, um, I can't really feed myself or do a whole lot of things for myself. And a lot of people who aren't used to someone like me, it can be awkward. It can be different for them. They A lot of people don't know how to interact even, um, communicate or anything. Um, I really don't have that harsh of a reaction anymore because I, I feel like the only way, the only way people learn is to talk about it. Uh, even if it's weird. Uh, although I, I tend to be more patient with children, uh, than adults, but surprisingly there's a lot of adults who still don't fully know how to communicate. <laughs> um, so I can think of one memory in particular that was so weird uh, and it's kind of a unique situation. I don't know many kinds of people who would dealt with this, uh, but, uh, you know, it was a thing that's a recurring thing and it will probably still be this way throughout my life. Even my late boyfriend, when we spoke about going out in public, I warned him. I said, I hope, you know, people may come up to me and say strange things <laughs> and they mean well, but uh, it's just something to be aware of. <laughs> um, one time I was at a restaurant with my boyfriend and we were, I love horror movies and I know you know that we talk a lot about horror and we have that in common. Um, and I'm just open in public because I'm, I am who I am. Uh, and there was someone behind us who was, I guess, listening in a uh, really like beautiful older blonde lady with, I think she had kids. Uh, and I remember we, I was just going off about some walking dead episode and I was going into detail about the gore and just blood everywhere and like heads exploding, you know, I didn't care. And, uh, this lady came up <laughs> And said, I'm just going to have the best day today because of your wonderful spirit. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and I looked at my boyfriend and I said, if she only knew what I was saying. <laughs> but that was kind of weird. <laughs> but she meant well, though. You know, I think she was just saying it, it enriched her life just watching me. But... Uh, <laughs> it can be awkward. <laughs> I've learned to like some of it because I, I think whenever someone says like, you've made my day better, that's a good thing, you know, regardless of what, why. Um, so I, I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, I've, you know, I don't always feel up to talking. Um, and sometimes it can feel a little exploit exploitative i guess uh but I, I i go back to just the fact that so many people have never been around someone like that uh there's so much like what's the word miss not miscommunication misinformation about disabled people uh or that we all have the same type of disability i know a lot of people even my teachers actually, uh, you know, learn from my just being around me. I had a teacher tell me that before me, he thought all handicapped people couldn't talk, 
you know um i also think that over the years i i feel like it's important to teach people uh you never know who's going to respond negatively handicapped people i mean to any kind of personal question um i personally am an open book because i like i know that it, it's better to teach people for the and that's the only way they can learn uh but yeah i've had some weird conversations but <laughs> nothing too negative in the weird sense well uh what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you i thought about like supernatural stuff but i don't know if i even like have as much of a like a I may not fully believe it was real or something, and I don't want to diminish it. So I'd rather focus on something <laughs> just scary that every that lots of people could probably relate to. Uh, and it's sort of a medical thing, um, still on the disability because you know it's my thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I take a treat like a, a treatment, like a spinal injection. Every six months. I think I've mentioned it to you. I don't know. Uh, treatment's called Spinraza. And it's been approved by the FDA. It, it's actually a protein developed to help people with my disability. SMA type 2. No, I think it's all types. Don't quote me on that. Um, but basically, it's meant to help us build muscle. And even help some walk again it's doing wonders for children uh but about f four years ago i started doing it and it was kind of a scary thing um in general but i'll go into one particular memory in a second um the whole process you know you have to kind of do x-rays to see like where's a good place to go in with the with stuff and um when I was a kid, this is probably common for a lot of disabled people, with at least with my disability, but I had scoliosis and because I'm, you know, the way my back was formed and just sitting constantly. Uh, and I had a surgery when I was eight. Uh, it's called the Harrington Rod surgery and they put metal in my spine to kind of straighten it. Uh, I bring that up because I guess I could have said that story, but, um, <laughs> that's, you know, I got past that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, I bring it up because when they did the x-rays for this new treatment, uh, they noticed that the bones had grown over the metal in my back and so they were having trouble finding a place, you know, a hole in the spinal column. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, I'm a mutant. I'm Wolverine. You know, the 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 metal has been accepted by my body. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, but because of that, they were not sure they were going to be able to find an injection place. Uh, but my neurologist had an idea. Not an idea. It wasn't as if it was his idea only. That would be even scarier. Um, <laughs> no, but it was other other patients had a similar problem, and he suggested we go to through the neck. 
uh, which was so scary. <laughs> and the funny thing was, when he suggested it, he was like, so you want to do it next week? And I said, can I have some time <laughs> to think about this? Because there is an added risk, of course. There's already an a-, a risk with anything with your spine, uh, but the added risk was, you know, permanent paralysis, uh, damage, and just so many different things. <laughs> Um, and I did research, you know, I wanted to, uh, see if there's any fatalities, uh, and actually at, at the time there wasn't complications for sure, but, uh, that was scary. Uh, I, I worked up doing it, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of these treatments you have to work up every time, you know, uh, but this first time, they're you know they're they have to stick me a few times on my arm to get blood because you have to take do blood tests before the treatment to make sure you're good. Uh, and I have such tiny veins. Oh my god, it's annoying. Stick me like six times to find a vein that works. Um, <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, they actually give me, I mean, you don't have to, but I wanted a sedative. Uh, I'm not, people ask me this, do they knock you out? No. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm i given fentanyl, which I'm sure sounds extremely scary and controversial, uh, but I love telling my mom that. She's like, you're on what? Uh, it's only during the procedure. That's it. Uh, but uh, the they they give you fentanyl just to kind of calm you. Uh, sometimes it'll like be so strong that I will kind of doze off, and that's great. Although I think they kind of want you semi-aware in case anything were to go wrong. Um, so for the first time, you know, I'm I'm just thinking good thoughts. Uh, it's really hard to like not think about the injection or just all the worst things that could happen. Cause I have a paranoid brain already. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's the feeling itself. It's actually not that painful. I'll admit, uh, really the getting my blood drawn is more painful, but, uh, it's just a weird feeling. Uh, Get ready, people. This is weird, but like the feeling of of like stuff going into your back, it's that it's tingly and weird. Um, and sometimes, not this, not the first time, thankfully, but sometimes there's like a nerve issue that will pop up for a second, like a twins in your left side, which is always scary because you're like, am I going to be paralyzed now? <laughs> um. But that didn't happen. Um, and it actually, it was over in maybe like three minutes. The buildup was way longer than the actual injection. Uh, but I guess if I, okay, one funny thing that happened is that my heart rate went up. And the nurse is like, are you okay? Your heart rate's up. And I'm like, why wouldn't it fucking go up? <laughs> uh, I'm always overly nice. They never know I'm in pain. They're like, he's nice, but he he won't tell us when he's actually hurting. 
Because, you know, I'm trying to be tough. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but that was that. That was uh, my spinal shot in the neck. Thankfully, after about a year, I moved to a different clinic, closer clinic. I've actually had to go drive like, well, I didn't drive, but getting in a vehicle, getting to the place was uh, hours away. But thankfully now it's in my hometown. Uh, and I, my next neurologist just wasn't as comfortable doing it in like through the neck. And I was so happy about that. I even said, like, well, if you're not comfortable, then I won't be. <laughs> um, so now they actually found a spot in my side. Uh, so it's made it a lot easier. <laughs> um, the, like, side effects isn't too bad. They, It can be lots of things like nausea, uh, pain, but mostly it's just headaches. And that's the most I've dealt with over the last few years is just occasional headaches uh i they they were they can be kind of bad right after the treatment but they suggest drinking lots of coffee and or caffeine which would help i guess with circulation and other stuff um but yeah that was pretty scary anything that has to do with your spine's always something scary and it's always something you're going to think about, especially I can imagine the knot before you go and get this injection is probably a pretty sleepless knot. I think lately I, I, I make sure people know where I am. I have like one person I text, you know, just be like, OK, I'm going in the hospital bed. Like, I'm, you know, it just makes me feel better to have someone there, even just, you know, for support emotionally. Um well, I, you know, what helps me every time is to remember uh, not everyone has this. Uh, sorry, there's a plane flying over. I live near an airport. Uh, what helps me every time I'm like building, you know, building myself up to do the next treatment is knowing that I'm, I'm kind of lucky and not everyone even has the ability to take this treatment. I guess I should have said that it's one of the most expensive drugs in the world. Uh, I couldn't believe my insurance paid for it, and it did. Knock on wood, they will continue to. Uh, but that's only for America. I know there's lots of countries with people with my disability that can't get it. So as uncomfortable and scary as this is, I, I feel like it's my duty to at least try. That's awesome, Mike. So I guess we can move on to the next one, which is what's the most memorable moment of your life so far? Yeah, I, there was a few big ones for me, but I think I'll focus on when I first went to Europe, um, 2019, I think 2019. Um, and I spoke in Poland at the GIC convention. Uh, that was amazing. That's a, dream come true uh this was sort of around the time i i really picked up my public speaking um i was just like from a from the advice of a friend i like just kept advertising myself and just sending people my information to different conventions around the world um not really expecting anything because you know i'm 
I'm not as well known, especially back then. And disability or accessibility wasn't as like in the public mind, you know. Um, so I didn't expect much, but I got a response from them and it was great because I, I being disabled, I not, you know, being able to talk at conventions is great, but getting there is hard. Um, even if it's near me, uh, transportation and just, uh, help with my caregivers to get there with me. Uh, but they were so great. The GIC in Poland, the, all that team was amazing and they provided so much support and they paid for so much just to get me there. Um, and I could tell they were really interested in what I had to say. Uh, so I did a talk in Poland, uh, I think it was an hour long and I had like different slides talking about different kinds of disabilities and ways you can put uh, content in games to help people like that. Uh, and it was one of the biggest crowds I'd been in front of and a uh, perfect crowd. It was developers, journalists, and gamers, just the people I, you know, I'm trying to talk to about it. And um, it was an international convention. So thankfully, most people spoke English. Uh, and um, the there were a lot of developers who had their games set up as well um some big and mostly indie but i was able to not just during my talk and after but during the convention i was able to play some of these games and talk with developers uh about you know ways they can make their game more accessible which was amazing it's always what i wanted to do not like what i expected but uh that happened and i've actually made connections that i still uh, use and, and it's just been amazing. Um, just trying to find highlights or trying to think of highlights of that time. Um, I love being able to travel. Uh, I'm actually, I've been to Jamaica three times, uh, before this, before I went to Europe and, uh, that was great. My mom was Jamaican. So, that kind of gave us that background. Um, it was interesting being able to compare places when it came to like how accessible they were. Uh, Jamaica is beautiful, but it's not very accessible. Um, it's kind of an impoverished place. And, and uh, it was interesting dealing with like the airports there. Similarly in, in Poland, it's uh, the convention itself was very, accessible like anywhere i went but going out in the like city and trying to find a place to eat was really hard um so i learned a lot um and just had the time of my life sounds amazing we always bring it down after that with what is the saddest thing that's ever happened to you the saddest thing that's happened to me is my boyfriend dying we were together for six years and then about Three years ago, almost four, he died. Um, his name was Will, and he had a form of epilepsy. Uh, he was brilliant. He was a programmer, and um, he had his own business for a long time, 
working for different companies and programming things. Uh, he also was very much into Toastmasters and was uh, had volunteered with them for many, many years and became a distinguished Toastmaster afterwards. Uh, but he had epilepsy and, and um, he had fallen off the roof of his parents' house trying to clean it. And I think he had a seizure and fell instantly, I think died. Um, and it was so sudden, obviously, and, and such a hard thing to deal with. Uh, it really uh, shook me. I, I dealt with a lot of death throughout my life. I, you know, my death of my brother was very hard, my dad, um, and lots of friends. But this was someone I saw every day, you know, uh, and it was hard to fill that gap. And I'm still going to think deal with that for a long time, maybe forever. Uh, but it helped me, you know, in some ways. It helped me learn to be more aware of my emotional triggers. Uh, therapy helped. And actually, uh, his sister and I got a lot closer. And I learned a lot about his family. And I think it actually... After many years, I realized that maybe, in a metaphysical way, there was a reason that I was able to deal, go through this. Maybe I could help her, and I think we have helped each other. Uh, so there, there, that was a little bit of positive there. Also, uh, I think I met you uh, during that time. We started talking online. We both had YouTube channels. Um, and you brightened my day one day when I was really down. Um, so, you know, maybe things do happen for a reason, despite there being a lot of sadness surrounding them. But, yeah, that was a really big thing that happened. It was really sad. And, but I'm slowly dealing with it. And there's no time limit on how long it takes. And, you know, that that's the one thing. I've, I've heard somebody say that... Uh, you know, the sadness and despair over someone who's who you've lost is just love with nowhere to go. And kind of looking at it like that kind of made me feel a little bit better. I'm starting to get a little emotional, you know, just thinking about it, too, because, uh, you know, it's like it's it's always in there. And uh, especially when you love somebody and and that's the thing. So uh, I think it's OK to. It's okay to feel sad, and it's okay to just have those days where, you know, because, like I said, that's just that love that just doesn't have anywhere to go, but you just gotta just gotta get it out. There's definitely a period where you you want to find somewhere to put it. I, I you know, it's a day-to-day that was hard. You know, who do I text this much when I want to watch, you know, things with? Who can I, you know, ask about it? And, um I try to pour it into other people, you know, I like being a good listener and, and then giving people advice. It makes me feel more useful too. So I try it that way. I think that's a good thing to do. And you do give very good advice. People keep saying that. Maybe going to put that into becoming a therapist one day. We'll see. Speaking of giving advice, that leads us to the last question, which is... Already. Already. You're doing really good. When the last question is, if you could give a piece of advice based off your life experience out there, what would it be? You know, I 
never expected to be where I was. Uh, even 15 years ago, if you were to tell me like, hey, are you going to be a journalist? I'd be like, hell no. Why would I do that? You never know where life is going to take you. I originally wanted to be a cartoonist. You know, I loved art. And I still do. Uh, but growing up, I realized that certain jobs take a lot more effort or take more time than I'm willing to give. And also, I maybe am not as good at something as I thought. But I, I want people to remember that even things that don't seem like they're profitable, or even if they don't seem like they're popular, if you love them and you're passionate about them, continue to do it. And you never know where that will lead you. Um, and always remember that no matter how weird you are or how unique or strange you may appear, there's always going to be someone out there who can relate. I promise. That's what we're doing. We're connecting those people. Yeah. Being a weirdo myself, we connected pretty quick. I think we did. I was shocked to hear how much you loved horror. You've actually told me about movies I've never heard of in my whole life. I'm your all-around nerd. Video games, horror movies, comic books, you name it. I'm, I'm... I'm a hopeless nerd in all of them. You got any recommendations really quick? (laughs) I think that's a different podcast. (laughs) But we'll talk after this. Cool, cool. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I think what you talked about was very important to get out there. You're really a pioneer, and I'm, I'm very proud to know you. Thank you, dude. I appreciate you having me on here. I want to thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Also, check out the video podcast at Handlebar ASMR on YouTube for extras.